Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey to the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. did leave the last episode off on quite a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger. I think everyone's been holding their breath for, I think it's been three weeks because I have lost track of time. Especially considering that Coronation Street hasn't been filming for a long time. The cliffhanger world has really been quite limited. Yeah. So we're here to help. So yeah, we left off um, with our friend Andres and Orderico discussing Fuck, I'm not on my game today. So if you haven't listened to the last episode... Um, We were discussing how lockdown impacts creativity, productivity, mental health, and how all of the pressures of this sort of external world and society and social media have felt incredibly amplified within the very personally constrained reality that we're living in mm-hmm. um and then you asked him whether he was print or paperback so we we <laughs> we, we really rose rose the bar yeah. of intellectual discourse at the end of that episode you sure did uh so yeah in all of that time uh i hope you've listened to that episode uh if you haven't you should it's a really uh really great conversation um but in all that time we actually didn't discuss the book that he chose which is the whole point of this podcast so here in part two uh we are going to hear uh about his book um so on that note uh i suppose i will do what we generally do and i will tell you about the author of i think book. i will do that actually cool beck will tell you about the author <laughs> This is Nicole Krauss, and Nicole Krauss is an American author, best known for her novels Man Walks Into a Room, The History of Love, Great House, and Forest Dark. Her novels have been translated into 35 languages, and her fiction appears in The New Yorker, Harper's, Esquire, and Grant's Best American Novelists Under 40. It has been collected in Best American Short Stories 2003, 2008, and 2019. In 2010, she was selected as one of the New Yorker's 20 under 40 writers to watch. She began writing as a teenager growing up in Manhattan, and until starting her first novel in 2001, she worked mostly in poetry. Cross's work often explores the relationship between Jewish history and identity, and the limited capacity of language and communication to produce understanding, loneliness, and memory. Uh, So I will let you know uh, about the book that we are that we did discuss <laughs> in the following i don't know what's who happening. are we what is going on uh i'm sorry are you drunk not yet i've only had like three sips okay. of wine um so shortlisted for the orange prize for fiction 2006 and the winner of the 2006 prix de milliers livre étranger sorry i am not french the, that was pretty good that was all right The History of Love explores the lasting power of the written word and the lasting power of love. When I was born, my mother named me after every girl in a book my father gave her called The History of Love. Fourteen-year-old Alma Singer is trying to find a cure for her mother's loneliness. 
Believing she might discover it in an old book her mother is lovingly translating, she sets out in search of its author. Across New York, an old man named Leo Gursky is trying to survive a little bit longer. He spends his days dreaming of the love lost that 60 years ago in Poland inspired him to write a book. And although he does not know it yet, that book also survived, crossing oceans and generations and changing lives. Sounds like a good book. Yes. I should. <laughs> I'd very much like to read it. I, yeah. I remember the bit with the flower all over the floor and someone baked a cake. That bit stuck with me. But um, <laughs> it was a lovely. It was quite yeah. a dear book. It was a sad book. It was a poignant book. Um, I think we both really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think we just, we just don't remember now. No, uh, no I know. Maybe we, we should listen back to the episode and find out what we thought of the book when we remembered it. Yeah, I and mean, then I haven't will... listened to it. Because I edited it ages ago, other than like the last 10 minutes. So I have no idea what's coming. Um, but well, maybe maybe our lovely guest who we met last week, Mr. Andres N. Odorico, can let us know. And just to remind people, he is a queer Latinx writer and educator based in Edinburgh, Scotland, another of our Scottish travel buddies. Oh, yeah. He creates worlds of characters who are from neither here nor there. His writing often addresses themes of queerness, liminality, loss, love, and concepts of belonging. Awesome. I can't wait to meet him again. Let us uh, pick up where we left off and find out which team Andres and Ordorica belongs to. Are you team paperback or team plinth? Oh gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, you I, ha- the, I had actually you read forgotten. the sequence of events. <laughs> I did, and I forgot about this part. I'm going to go paperback. Happy to have you on board, Andres. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Join my team. Everyone else has. Anyway. I'm not like we don't need to go into it. We... It's all right. We can we can. Speak <laughs> we all understand. Out. Paperbacks are convenient. They're very nice to take on trips. You can put them in your pocket. You can put them in a bag. La 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 la. They don't they're, break your wrist. That's better. Um, so, do you want to tell us about the paperback book that you've picked today? Yes. Segway. So I picked um, <laughs> the history of love by Nicole Krauss, which is one of my favorite books of all time, and is. The book that I recommend to literally everyone who asks me for a book recommendation. I think it's just a, it's a brilliant book that does so many things. I first came across it when I was in my undergrad um, in a course on postmodern American literature. And then I ended up taking a class, or I, I took three courses in a row with the same professor who ended up teaching the book in every one of those courses um so (laughs) So you know it really well yeah was her name nicole (laughs) no her name was kirsten but yeah so i studied it in postmodern american lit then jewish american lit and then modern american writers um it's yeah it's just a fascinating book that explores I think at the heart, at its heart, it's about dealing with love and loss in through two characters, you know. So we meet Leo, an eighty-year-old, eighty-something-year-old uh, Holocaust survivor living in New York City, um, 
dealing with uh of you know a very lonely life and then um you know later on we meet um uh, a young teenager named Alma who is named after uh the character uh, in this book uh called the history of love so you know it, there's a book that exists within the book so it's very meta called the history <laughs> of love and we follow these through two characters as they're working through loss so you know when we meet alma we know that her father died when she was seven and her mom has gone through this very long sort of mourning process and she is you know trying to find a way to get to like shake her mother up and like to get her mom to do something and just by virtue of um the fact that her mom is a, a translator someone comes into their life who asks her to translate the history of love that was only written in or that was published in spanish um and so we follow these characters as sort of mysteries unfold and we learn pretty early on so it's not ruined i wouldn't be ruining it for readers we know early on in the book that leo wrote the book but we don't know how this book became published because leo lost the book before he escapes europe during the holocaust so like a fair amount of jewish people who were in a position to do so when you know nazi germany was sort of gaining its power um were sending lots of sort of their children who were adults to north america or south america if they were able to or on to england so we know that he leaves and most of his life in america has just been really alone and sad like it's not this beautiful american dream it's um you know what we were talking about earlier about just wanting to get out and about and exist there's these beautiful lines about how leo in his old age he just tries to find means to know like he doesn't go a day without having someone know he exists so he does really um yeah. seemingly erratic things that are actually just really poignant and it it by reading his character of someone who is really old and but in such beautiful lyrical descriptions it's made me really think about aging so he'll do things like he'll go to Starbucks and he'll spill the milk and he'll make a huge scene or he'll go to you know a chemist and he'll knock over a display of like lube and like do these things that will cause lots of attention <laughs> just so he knows that people saw him that day because he left everyone behind like all of his family dies in the holocaust and you know that very early on so yeah so like these two characters who are dealing with loss who have lots of more connections they're tied through their judaism so that portrayal of you know the jewish diaspora i think is really brilliant because you learn about it existing sort of beyond you know new york city or 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 eastern europe that you know um it introduces these characters who have made it to South America and how that gets woven into both of their stories but i just think it's such a brilliant portrayal of love and loss i think the reason it really resonated for me is at the time that it i it, it sort of came into my life i had lost a friend of mine from high school who in our second year of university uh died in a car accident 
And so I, I think having that like real sense of loss or or for me, it was my probably first personal loss. I've had, you know, I had at that point family members or older family members uh, pass away. But I think sort of having an, a writer who so brilliantly articulates death um, and what it is to like that death being so finite for Leo most almost every important person in his life has passed away so he only has memories and there are parts of the book where you don't know if they're real or not you don't know who actually exists or like is he talking to this person or is this a memory and I think Nicole Krauss does a brilliant thing of keeping most of that hidden for lots of parts of the book and sort of these mysteries unfold where you know, you meet new characters that um, were part of Leo's life, and it, you know, it kind of all just magnifies even more as you meet more and more of these characters, how alone he is, because these are all characters very much living in the past tense. So as he kind of discovers that his book somehow was published, it kind of leads him on this mystery throughout the rest of the book. And Alma... Um, is trying to get her mom to sort of to get out of this depressive spell you know her father has at this point been dead I think seven years and she just she needs her mom to like she has this brilliant line I just I I need you to not be sad anymore and to have like a 15 year old have to tell that to their own parent I think is just so like it's such a gut punch when you read that part I literally because I finished the book today Beck will affirm this i sent her a picture of that page and i was really like having a lot of emotions about that line like like i just need you like what do you need like i just need you to not be sad and it's just like oh my god what a line that that gut punch is right i think i the thing i feel a bit strange saying this because my mom listens to this but um hi gail um it really like this is kind of the beauty of books in general, just to go off on a tiny tangent that, you know, as a reader, something that was, you know, intended in a certain way can hit you very personally in a spot that like has nothing to do with the book, but like a line like that. Um, I just remember growing up, my, my mom was not very happy um, in her relationship and in her life at the time when I was a teenager. And it was pretty obvious and it just like reading that line today just made me really sad because I wish that I had been less focused on me and instead of being annoyed with her for, you know, not paying enough attention or not doing this or not doing that or maybe drinking too much wine. Haha, <laughs> joke's on me because that's my story now. But um, I, I was angry at her instead of just like being worried or you know, like you see Alma and she just loves her mom so much. She just really wants to help find the cure for her mom's sadness and loneliness. And that, that lie just really hit me. And I just had a moment of like, oh, fuck, I wish that, I wish that that was me when my mom maybe needed me and was sad. She's, she's cool now, guys. Everything's fine. (laughs) Sorry to unleash Gail's sadness on you. She's great. She's good. Um, But yeah, just that line was heartbreaking beautiful no but i think you know i think (laughs) i think it's difficult in in that i don't think that alma is overly precocious or in tune i think it's just by the nature of her life you know 
you know, like, I don't think she is a, a better teenager than you would have been or I would have been necessarily, but I think it's just because of, you know, she has lots of characters to worry about, and I think she has to be the sound one. Her brother, who is this brilliant character, who, you know, is a secondary character, but is very robust, the way Nicole Krauss writes him, and explores Judaism through him, so, you know, he is he just lives in his own world he loves his judaism as a religion and i think judaism as his sort of cultural identity and he's a weird kid like and almost says this to him like you know you have to be normal or you have to try to be normal and he thinks he is alamed vavnik which is like this brilliant thing that I remember when I studied it in my Jewish American class, that when it was explained to me, I just think it's so beautiful. So the way that Judaism works, there are these sort of spiritual beings called Lamed Vavniks, who in order for Judaism to work, have to exist in the world simultaneously. So whatever their number is, if it's like 12 or 30 or whatever. Not whatever. I'm not sort of being flippant with Judaism. Uh, (laughs) But, and one of them has the potential of being the messiah but you but even within judaism no one knows if if there are the lamedvavniks right now if that will if one of them will be the messiah that comes back you know as it sort of goes through every generation or evolution of it um you know the messiah has not come back in any of these instances but anyway he believes he is it but the issue with that is that as a lamedvavnik you can't tell anyone like it can't be known that you are it because then it you know it it kind of disrupts your connection with god but he tells his sister this who again is like just has this brilliant moment with her brother because she doesn't say anything but but the way that she's described you know like this is oh no it, it says that her stomach hurts like and she loves her brother so much like in the way that she loves her mom but she just knows, like, the world will be cruel to him. And she's trying to protect him. But, like, he is so devout in his belief that he... And he wants to do good for the world. And he thinks that, you know, a second flood is coming. So he's trying to say he's building his own ark. Like, he is just operating on a different plane. And I think it must be really difficult for the character of Alma to have these just two very polarizing people in her life like that are living on extremes like meanwhile is going through her own sadness because she's trying to find the origins of this book because this book her father uh got when he was traveling in south america um sort of early on in the courtship with her mother before he returns um uh, and they start a family and so you know there's this line that gets repeated throughout the book like i was named after all of the almas in the world i was named after all of the almas in the history of love and so while she's trying to deal with these sort of extreme mourning processes through her own brother and her mother she is also trying to find some sort of connection because you can just tell she has such a deep love for her father who she lost she reads everything her mom gives her that were books that her father read or like she soaks up any tidbit of information and she really tries to kind of sift through these memories of who he was to me it just encapsulates in a lot of ways the finiteness of loss and then when you lose someone how do you go about being connected to them you know in this fear of like losing memory and so you try to almost become your own um detective 
and you try to weave this person back together by sort of finding you know these things and and so i just yeah i find it as a book a really beautiful exploration of of loss and what it can mean depending on your relationship to the person that you lose so you see it through leo with family members but you also see it through like a loss of his first love and his own son and then all of these friends and 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 then through alma you know through her, her father and then in a way also i would say you know she she has lost her mother a bit and is trying to kind of help her you know sort of unearth her mother from her deep depression um you know to get her her back and i think for me like i said at that point in my life where i came across this book i think i found it in a way almost like like a guiding light to sort of say okay these like emotions that i feel are they're not a irrational or they're not they're not unmeaningful you know like this is how people process loss and so for me it just it really is a, like such a beautifully evocative book it's funny because so much of it has to deal with like really deep loss but there's also just beautiful passages of love as the novel you know alludes to with its title the history of love and i actually use part of the uh, or an excerpt from the book as a reading for my own wedding because i just found it like just its depiction of love is absolutely gorgeous and so my partner and i uh, for a good chunk of our relationship before we got married after i finished grad school in london um we had to do long distance and so the bit of the book that i use is in the history of love within the book so you get to read excerpts and they're they're named after different things but i think it's a bit about communication and how like sound and 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 words were connected through strings at the beginning uh, of of as language was evolving and that in order to and it's just so beautiful the way it depicts our our longing and our need to be connected with people or to be seen so I yeah I think it's like it serves two purposes it is almost a way of navigating through loss but then it's also a beautiful portrayal of love and different types of love it's not just sort of romantic love it's familial love it's love of friendship you know you get to see this deep love shared between Leo and his best friend Bruno and like this connection that they have as these two old men who survived the Holocaust and the way that they have no one else so they only have each other and so how they keep I love them um they just keep checking to make sure the other one isn't dead which I feel like yes Beck yeah. that's gonna be you and me one day I think <laughs> yeah. my favorite bit of that is uh when he gets home and there's a message that's like guess who baked a cake oh, and there's flour everywhere (laughs) and it's yeah it I I I loved their relationship I loved exactly that because it's almost the like the depth of their love is completely unspoken because let's not be dramatic about it and be over the top and be like um oh I love you I'm checking how you are like oh how like it's just keep it really really simple and they keep making excuses (laughs) to go and check on each other and I I kind of feel like that and is the, like knocking on the radiator. Yeah. Like it's like three times if you're still alive or yeah. twice if you're still alive and one if you're not. <laughs> There's almost something so much 
deeper about it. it felt so so strong and so deep to me and more so than it would have been if it had been that overt I'm doing this because I love you I love you so let's do it like I that just felt so authentic and so kind it was a love that had deep kindness in it which mm. I think is quite a rare I, th- I can't think of a lot of characters in novels where I felt quite such where the love has felt so guided by kindness as I felt it with them. Yeah. Um, and history and all the other stuff, but I, I definitely feel like kindness was so much at the root that they had for each other in a way that I don't, I can't think of. It's also comical too, right? It, it added like a nice lift to a book that had a lot of heavy kind of content, a lot of heavy content, Holocaust, death, like... <laughs> Holocaust and death. You don't even need more than that, really. Lost love. Uh, Children you can't have relationships with. Like, such, such heavy content. But there were these moments of just, like, goofiness, whether it was Bird, Alma's brother, you know, like, jumping off the roof constantly, which is why he got the name Bird. Um, Or, obviously, Leo and Bruno, these two, like, old Jewish men living in a New York City apartment. You can absolutely see it. And they're just, like... The way they show love for each other is so like, you know, like throwing a glass of water in each other's face to wake them. Like, wake up, you're in a magazine, like throwing cold water <laughs> on you. It's like, what? But I, because they care so deeply for each other. And I, th- that's I the think way as well, the way it. that they work so well in the book is because exactly that thing, like so much of it is loss. Like pretty much every single relationship in the book is about loss. And theirs isn't. Like they, they're, they're they haven't well, they found each well, other but they're almost like they're almost sort of waiting to lose each mm-hmm. other like their whole relationship yeah. is waiting to lose each other but actually they're the only really only the really the they're the only relationship that really isn't lost is together has no loss hasn't hasn't hit grief yet isn't in that sort of like i need to fix this or i need to make this better or i need to find something I need to find a solution. Like they are each other's solution, and there's so much loss in the book, and they're the, like they they're a whole. They found each other. They're each other's solution. There's like there's nothing lost yet, even though they spend the whole fucking time waiting for it. It's which ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Was there one of the kind of characters or storylines that you connected with more than others, or or is it the kind of whole package that that makes it for you? Um, I mean, the first time I read it, I really loved Alma. I think it's really in the way that it's written. So I think that's something also that needs to be talked about is it really is in essence a a postmodern book. Like uh the way Nicole Krauss writes it is very I wouldn't say experimental, but she plays with form a lot. And so, you know, Leo's story is kind of told in this traditional narrative way where she, her bits are a bit stream of consciousness and almost listed so the entire time they're actually they're they're contained within lists and it's through her own voice but i think i found that fascinating because to me in a way it kind of really captured the authenticity of her character as someone who is going on this mission to kind of unearth why her father chose this book like why and she's so desperate to know why am i named after this character in a book that we find out actually wasn't even that popular. It didn't, you know, it wasn't a success in a way that a writer would want it to be a success. It just happened to be meaningful to a few character, important characters throughout the book. But I, yeah, I love the way that that's written. And then I love 
I just found her exploration of love and kind of desire as a, you know a, a blossoming teenager I found it really fascinating and I think she probably has some of the most interesting depictions of like romantic love um, and she talks about like you know her first kiss and there's this brilliant line where she says uh the person who she kind of has a romantic relationship goes in to kiss her and she says you know there is like about 14 different languages that created me and i wish in this moment that i could speak um at least one of them but i couldn't so i just let him kiss me and just this way she like she's so almost cerebral like she you know throughout the book she's reading a how-to guide like how to survive in the wild and like learning about what things are she could survive on if she had to go and live in the forest and so even for her like to think in that moment like i come from this jewish diaspora which means that i am from all of these different places in the world um and i have all of this rich heritage uh, and like to be thinking that in the moment of your first kiss i just think is such a brilliant like it's not you know it is sexual in its own unique way but it's not like lusty or anything it's almost very pragmatic like oh i wish i could have said something to him but i can't so I just let him kiss well, me. Well, yeah. And even the way she describes the kiss is like, oh, I didn't know if I should like let yeah. my tongue lay flat so he could do his thing with his tongue or if I should put my tongue in there as well. Like she describes it. I'm like, oh, my God. First kisses yeah. are so weird. It really like... reminded me of a friend of mine when I was at that kind of age um, telling another friend of mine uh, to think of it like a washing machine. <laughs> And I was, I honestly, I think about that sound advice. a lot because it was so funny. Do you think of that every time someone kisses you? Yeah, think of it like a washing machine. But it just, it, it really reminded me of that because you are kind of like young and it, there's so many different things going on when you have your first kiss. It is that thing. Where do of I like, put my hand? What do I do? What, what do, do I... I say? How do I move? And because you're a teenager and that's a bit of an idiot you you do sort of think stupid things like think of it like a washing machine or, or do i keep my tongue flat while they you know <laughs> flap about <laughs> where yeah. did the teeth go yeah like all of these what happens to the teeth all of these questions which um <laughs> i swear like every single person on the planet has thought like everyone would yeah. have had some bizarre thought process around their first intimate moment of any description because so much of it is i don't know yeah <laughs> figuring it out you know i think like for a book that she's she's a beautiful writer and her prose is lovely and she has so many romantic lovely heartfelt things that she writes o often they are actually they're they're the bits that we hear from mm -hmm. the history of love book um those bits are really these poetic romantic things like the the feeling of her hand on your ribs and if you haven't felt that then you haven't felt love like these these beautiful things so for a book that has all of that going on the actual t romantic parts between the actual characters are very unromantic and I found that incredibly charming like she could have written it in like oh he kissed me and you know, the world opened up behind my, you know, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been out of place because the writing is so beautiful and the prose is so lyrical uh, in so many places. But I did love that those moments were just mm -hmm. human. They were just like the characters 
are human in this world that's written in a really beautiful way. And I found that really lovely. Um, and yeah, charming is, I feel like a charming is a good word to use for this book. There's so much of it. It's just so charming. Yeah. And that, 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 um, that difference, the way that she makes those differences in her prose, I think really showed that the love and romanticism are two very different things. And I like that this book demonstrated that like love has so many depths and romanticism is often so shiny and poetic um, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't allow often for a lot of those depths. And some of those depths are really silly and, 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 you know, bizarre and strange and, and juvenile and clumsy and all of that kind of stuff. And some of them are, are very intense and warm and long lasting, but love, Love is, you know, a, a, a crazy thing that goes off in many different Tell us what love is. Love is. <laughs> I believe once you talked about the shape of love. Can you now discuss the history of it? I did, uh, I did yeah. actually, to get you out of that hole, I did, uh, I did actually want to make a point just um, tying it back to when you were talking, Andres, about um, the the kind of experimentation with structure and and the way she she wrote the different parts as a reader i found that really nice because i've read a ton of stories that have so many characters and things tying in and sometimes it can be hard to tell who you're reading and it can take you out of things but the way that she wrote this it was incredibly obvious even down to if i'm not mistaken when Leo has dialogue with someone, it's written in italics without quotations. And I think when Alma has dialogue with someone, there's quotations. Like, like it was very, very separate the way it was written. So you knew the minute you turn the page, oh, now I'm back in this world. And it was a really nice kind of subtle way to guide you through the story and make sure you didn't lose whose, whose story you were in, considering there were so many things tying, tying in um, over the whole book. So I found that, like, I don't often notice the structure of of the writing but this was like a really nice way to guide you through the story yeah and i mean i think um i don't know about like every issue of the book or how many issues there have been or print runs but i do know in like the copy i have like from um a typesetting point of view what's really brilliant about it is that every chapter when it changes um character there's like icons and stuff which is just like this brilliantly beautiful choice so like with alma it's a compass and um you know we get introduced to a third narrative uh well, with leo it's a heart because yeah and then we have attack. um ziv letvinov who is a book and we won't go into why his his book is a book uh but <laughs> that's that'll be, that the spoiler, be the spoiler for sure but then we only very i think only once do we get to hear from um bird but his is um an arc because he uh yeah. believes that uh uh god is going to flood the world again um but yeah i think it, 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 i think the formatting and stuff of it really is what helps like you say keep it understandable for for the reader because i mean there's a lot going on but i think krauss does it in a very masterful way and very intentioned and i think that's a good 
point, you know, because I think you can be experimental to be experimental, but I think what she's doing is for a purpose. Um, and I think anytime you try to introduce like a book within a book, that can get very messy, but it's very clear. Um, and I appreciate what you said about like, actually some of the most beautiful parts of this book are the book within the book and the way that it, it depicts loves, um, love and, and history, you know, and the evolution of, of how people feel emotion. And there's this beautiful um, chapter within it, um, you know, where it depicts um, emotion as glass. So it, it's like a, it, it looks at almost human history in these different ways. Um, but in very metaphorical way. So it's not like as humans, you know, it's not like the Bronze Age where humans created, you know, learned how to manipulate uh, bronze and then built stuff. It's the idea that humans are made of glass and their emotions are so fragile and, and they don't know how to handle it and that they could break at any point. And I just think it's so fascinating because what it is, is it's, it's not a depiction about the human race, but it's the human experience about how when you feel love for the first time and that you can feel so fragile and vulnerable like that you could break that you could do something wrong and even though it's this happy emotion that you should feel excited about that you have it's this terrifying. fear that your body could <laughs> let you down that your body could shatter from the pure joy of love your body can also shatter at the end of love when the person that you loved more than anything rips you to pieces and leaves you in a pile and then walks off into the night <laughs> yes <laughs> that is another time you can be glass that is another I'm time you can be glass bitter. or when you have a hangover oh well, yeah <laughs> <laughs> just to just to bring it on home Low the um, that, that's my job here uh, so i i guess you've you have said you recommend this book to everybody who asks you but is there kind of a a type of person or a specific person you think could benefit like the most from this book like who would you recommend this book to other than everyone and why i i would probably say i know you so much of it is about loss. I think it's for anyone who feels they've experienced some sort of loss in their life that they need help guiding themselves through or or maybe ch are challenged to articulate it. I think it's a very brilliant articulation of loss and mourning and how to um, just how to get through it in a way. I could broaden it to people who, you know, may be experiencing a, sen a sense of sadness or mourning. But I think specifically, you know, it even though it is titled The History of Love, I think for me, at the point of my life when I read it and what I got out of it and why I recommend it to people, I think, you know, it's a very brilliant exploration of how humans deal with loss. Perfect. Poignant. Great. Well, great spoken. yeah, I Love think this. Nicola Sturgeon would really have enjoyed that. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> let us know, Nicola. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. For... Tweet, tweet at us. She can invite <laughs> me to Butte House. Um, oh, we can have, you know, <laughs> wine and discuss this book. I don't know how you will have done it, but I am very keen to see what 
uh, little passage or a quote you have chosen for us because there's so yes. many beautiful parts to this book. Um, I yeah, I really struggled. The interest, well, I struggled especially because I studied this so many times in university. So like my book is just filled with like markings, <laughs> and it was really interesting to look back and think like, what did 20 year old or 21 year old um, Andres like find meaningful? Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know what I found meaningful <laughs> when I was 20. Good God. Um, and so I think there's lots of bits in it that are very obvious. And I and then I happened upon one section, very small section, that I highlighted. And I thought, that's what I think is, like, my big takeaway. So, yeah, so I'll just share it with you. And it's halfway through the book, so, you know... Um, even though the ending is brilliant, I think this really is one of uh, Krauss's best lines. So, story of my life. I was a locksmith. I could unlock every door in the city, and yet I couldn't unlock anything I wanted to unlock. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's pretty good. Do you think she wrote that line first and then had to make him a locksmith? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that, that, I mean... But, that is just great writing. <laughs> like she had that. She was like, "Where, where can I use? <laughs> where, yeah, where can I let me create a story?" Around he was this a line. plumber yeah, first. It just it didn't work. It didn't have the poetry. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't unplunge. What I wanted to unplunge. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get rid of the blockage and my no. There's just no not nice as, way. It's just not as good. Mm. Cool. Well done. Well done. Well done, Nicole, well done that woman. <laughs> Oh yeah, my goodness! Very um, good I loved this book a lot. It was I love books that you read a passage and then you just like have to take a minute and like have a little heavy sigh to yourself. I found myself doing that a lot with this book, which I just I just love books that do that. And it's been a well, our last one. <laughs> I mean, I sighed a lot over the the vampires. Let me just say, we we know how I feel about them. But um, it was nice to to go back to like a lovely piece of fiction because we've done some like short stories some non-fiction so we've had a bit of a uh our own roller coaster of the literary uh, <laughs> literary roller coaster <laughs> been on a literary roller coaster lately wow um, so it's nice to come back to like a, a beautiful bit of fiction and, and just some really lovely prose and and a, and a beautiful story um so thank you Thank you book. for the opportunity to and get to choice. talk about it. And yeah, to sort of relive why it is I find it so meaningful. Um, it was really a joy to read it again and to kind of, yeah, fall in love again with Leo and Alma and sort of check in on them during all of this. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I'm sure, I know Gail will love this book. Uh, if she hasn't, by the time she listens to this, she will have read it. So Gail, let us know. We need like a Gail after show special, I think, where she talks about because she's reading along with us. Like, so she reads every single book and listens. My mom is insane. She's great. And she's also Jewish. So it's fine. Uh, so she'll especially love this one. She'll be like, oh, my God, I know all this. Yiddish. It's great. Um, but um, where can uh, our listeners uh, find you and your work online if they want to? Follow um, yep. So you can follow me. I'm very active on Twitter. So you can find me at at Andres and Orderica. Um, you can find links to different um, essays online or short stories or poems on my website, which is andresorderica.com. Um, if you want to buy books that I'm in, I can recommend We Were Always Here, a Queer Words Anthology, uh, 
by for Michael's for in Inc. That. Michael he? is yeah, Michael was the editor or co-editor. <laughs> Uh, so support ah! yes support that book and then also um <laughs> the color of madness which is an anthology of um BAME people in the uk and their experience of mental health so my short story opens that anthology so that's the color of madness published great. by sterling publishers um yeah so you know i've those two books definitely check them out if you're looking for some lockdown reading <laughs> nice always <laughs> yeah. that is awesome Andres thank you so much for, for being here with us in this crazy time uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for yeah, having thank you, me thank you for your books being, being lovely my pleasure Your Own Words is hosted by Alison Dunnings and Becky Graham it is recorded in London at the Pitch Room in Runway East, Soho. Theme song by Natasha Pasternak. Read along with us at yowpod.com. <laughs> <laughs>